Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. We've had a busy week in the last week since we last broadcast filming two separate Homes Under the Hammer valuations with our friends from the Homes Under the Hammer production group. And uh, we had a great time doing those. Uh, We never know when they're going to be broadcast, but they will be broadcast. And the legendary Tommy Walsh was there, managed to get a selfie with him and a long chat with him. And it's clear that he still has the same enthusiasm for gardens that he ever had right back to ground force days. Had a long chat about a tiny garden in a house. And he was enthusiastically telling me how we could make it the best it could possibly be. And what a guy, really great guy. And it was a pleasure to meet him. Um, On to the property news this week. And then we're going to talk about gazumping and gazundering. Why? Because I know a lot of you have suffered with one or the other. And some of you just want to understand the terms and perhaps how you can protect yourself against being victim to these things. So we'll get on to gazumping and gazundering after the headline news of the week, starting off with an article in the Financial Times, The Times and The Guardian, house prices continue to rise. The price of the average UK home has risen by £43,500 since the start of the first lockdown two years ago, according to the Halifax. It said this is the Halifax lender and they said it took an 18 percent rise with a typical home rising to two hundred and eighty two thousand pounds. And that's a 21 percent rise on the price of detached homes as well, compared with an 11 percent rise in flat prices over the same period. But we found this. There has seemed to be uh, an element of mismatch between the growth in house prices and flat prices, flat prices remaining uh, much lower in growth than houses locally. People are looking for freehold. They're looking for gardens because of the pandemic quite often. Rival lender nationwide recorded a 14 percent increase in values over the same 12 months. And it says that's the fastest annual growth rate for 17 years. However, a range of forecasters, including the Office for Budget Responsibility, expect the speed to slow down in the next few years. We are presumably witnessing the current peak of UK house price growth, commented Tom Bill, head of UK residential research at Knight Frank. He says at some point in the near future, the cost of living squeeze and rising mortgage rates will pull prices back down to earth. A shortage of property for sale has been instrumental in driving double digit price growth, which is another situation that can't continue indefinitely. Well, I would echo that. I think that's true on the one hand. But on the other hand, of course, sellers have a choice as to whether they market their properties. And what we found sometimes in these situations is that sellers choose not to sell. And when that happens, that limits the supply. And then you've still got the same first time buyers, second time buyers and buy to let investors all looking for properties which aren't there. So therefore, the competition increases and this underpins house prices. But we're in interesting times. And yes, we're seeing one of the biggest financial squeezes we've ever seen in the UK. So it'd be interesting to see. Nobody can tell you what's going to happen to house prices in the future. My best guess is we'll see them stabilise for the second half of this year and we'll continue to see a steady increase just in the spring this year. And then the summer, it will start to slow down. And then I imagine we'll see a bit of a full stop second half of the year where things will just stay. And then as usual, we'll see next year, it will start to pick up once more. Home buyers are getting younger in the UK. UK home buyers are increasingly investing in multiple properties to generate another income stream, according to recent research. It's an article from The Mirror. It says a new social study from the property concierge platform Movable indicates that leveraging capital for property has become the top priority for buyers. However, when it comes to owning bricks and mortar, investing in developments is now trumping dwelling. 
Unveiling a major change in the intentions between home buying patterns in the UK, the research revealed what looks to be a younger generation of home buyers driving the property market. It showed that 14% of Brits are looking to buy a house to develop in the next year. This rise number is rising to 40% in those aged 18 to 34. 15% are looking to buy a house to refurbish for themselves in the next year. This number rising to 40% for those aged between 18 and 34. So that's interesting. And then cladding. Cladding near Bill Near's two billion mark as Bellway Homes joins the pledge to fix homes. This is good news. You know, it's not a panacea, but at least we're starting to see some money flow in there. According to analysis from AJ Bell, the total bill now stands at 1.8 billion with the FTSE 100 developer Barclay yet to declare how much it will provide. But we are seeing more and more builders really own up now, frankly, and do the right thing. And it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? So if you're stuck in that situation, I'm glad to say that it's getting better. But I do think a lot of this has been soundbite politics and it can't come soon enough. And of course, many people it's too late for. I have to say that many, many people have lost fortunes and will never be able to reclaim those monies. So we'll keep you advised as to how that story develops. And planning. Planning rules could be relaxed for heat pumps in listed buildings. Well, this is a good thing. And as far as the lack of insulation is concerned in most homes, the BBC News reports that it's a missed opportunity. And it says that politicians and campaigners are frustrated at the lack of a new energy strategy. And if you want to know more about what you can do in terms of insulation and what you can do to lower your energy bills, then do look up a couple of episodes we've got for energy saving measures with the fantastic David Vincent and Bob Harris. Two separate editions with two separate views on what you can do. Um, Both experts in their fields and really interesting to see what their view is on the various things you can do to save money during the energy crisis, because we know that's on everybody's mind, isn't it? Now, mortgages, buyers are turning to ultra long loans. This has been the case for a while now. Soaring house prices, higher interest rates and the cost of living crisis have forced borrowers to take out extra long loans to cover their monthly mortgage repayments. Average mortgage terms are generally around 25 years, but more borrowers are opting for 35 year loans to get on the property ladder. However, borrowers risk spending tens of thousands of pounds more in interest if they choose a longer term deal. The number of borrowers taking out loans with a 35 year term or longer, because you do even get 40 years, believe it or not, surged to 196,000 in the first nine months of last year. If you think about this, it's extraordinary because it means if you take out a mortgage at 30 years of age, you still have that mortgage at 70. Shocking, isn't it, to think about it in that way? But also remember that as inflation bites, so the value of that debt goes down. So in 30 years time, that debt will look a lot smaller than it does now. So there is some logic to going for a longer term and spreading that cost over a longer period of time. And frankly, it's the only way it's affordable for many people. That's an article in The Telegraph this week. The gazumping and gazundering. Let's talk about that now. I know it's a subject that's hit many of you. So first of all, let's start with what do they mean? What is gazumping? What is gazundering? Well, gazumping is when someone makes an offer on a property. That offer is accepted by the seller client and then somebody else comes along and offers more money. Well, how does it happen? I hear many of you saying, because surely if an offer is accepted, then a property is withdrawn from the market. Not necessarily. You need to check what the parameters are with your particular estate agent and seller. But it can mean many things. Some sellers will continue to market their property up until a buyer has a mortgage offer. In other words, there can be multiple buyers. Now, they should disclose this to any potential buyers, um, but it has been known that they don't. And therefore, they will suddenly gazump their buying 
client. Now, how do we prevent it? What can we do about it? Well, one thing is integrity. I mean, deal with people that wouldn't do that without actually advising you first. I mean, for instance, sometimes we get developers where they're desperate for a sale and they want the quickest sale possible. And they will say, look, we got, you know, we'll say to them, look, we got three or four people that want your property. They're all at similar levels. And they'll say, well, the first one to get their survey done, we'll go with them. Or the first one to get their mortgage offer out, we'll go with them. So that's one thing. That's from the buyer side of things, looking at the client. Now, that client may still have that property on the market. And the problem is this. In a rising market, it may well be that even if the agent has withdrawn the property from the market, as they should, if they've done all their checks and give a buyer an opportunity without competition to get their survey in, people that have seen the property previously or people actually that haven't even seen the property but have seen that it's advertised online as sold subject to contract can still bid. And the estate agent under the Estate Agents Act is duty bound to disclose any bids within 24 hours of receipt to the seller. Now, if the new offer that comes in is there or thereabouts the same as the current offer proceeding, presuming that the buyer is proceeding at pace anyway, it's unlikely that most sellers will jump. And in our experience, most sellers do have a moral conscience and they will stick with the buyer. But and I have to put a big butt in here. It does depend on the amount of money. You know, at what price do morals kick in and at what price do you protect your family? So imagine you're a seller of a family home and you've got it under offer at 500,000. Someone offers 501,000. That's seen it previously, even though you've committed to your current buyer and you feel morally committed to that person. What if that person offers 510,000 instead of the 500,000 you're agreed at or 525,000? Can question, can your family afford to lose that 25,000? For many people, the answer is no. For some people, the answer is I've morally committed to this and I'm going to stick with it. And we understand and respect that. But you have to understand, one, it's the estate agent's job to tell the seller they have another offer. They don't have a choice in that. That's a legal requirement. And then two, it does depend on how much difference there is between the price that you're paying and the new offer that's come in. And it's a real difficulty. So what can you do if you're a buyer to try and protect yourself against this? Well, once you've provided all the information and the sale is agreed, check with your estate agent or seller that the property has been marked as sold subject to contract. You can't necessarily expect them to withdraw it from Right Move, Zoopla and all the other portals, although you can expect them to mark it as sold subject to contract. Why wouldn't they want to withdraw it? Because they want to advertise that they're selling houses in that particular area to other potential sellers. So withdrawing it from the market completely so it's not visible online is not good for the agency. So they'll want to leave it online, even marked as sold subject contract. The problem for you, the buyer, is that whilst it's marked sold subject contract, other buyers can come in, see the particulars, see the floor plan and make a blind bid. And that blind bid could be higher than yours. So what you can do to protect yourself is, number one, check with the agent, make sure it is either withdrawn from the market, withdrawn from the web um, before you proceed, and certainly make sure it's marked sold subject to contract. And if they're not prepared to do that until you get to survey, you may want to live with that. You may want to move on to another property. That's your call. But you need to understand and be well aware of the risks of going for a property that is continually marketed whilst you pay for a survey. There is a chance that you pay for a survey and some legal fees and then you get gazumped by another buyer and you lose that property. Everything in the UK legally is subject to contract until exchange of contracts. What that means for you, the buyer, is that until you exchange contracts, the seller can withdraw for any reason at all. 
That's the bad news. The good news is so can you. And so how do you protect yourselves? Well, that's why we love auctions here at James Alexander. But the truth is, get to the point of exchange of contracts as soon as possible. If you want it to be binding, exchange those contracts. It's not as simple as that, of course, because there's a legal process that has to take place. And while that's happening, you run the risk of being gazumped. And the better the deal you have, the higher the likelihood of being gazumped is. So the way to protect yourself is make sure that it's marked sold subject contract. Make sure that the agent isn't intending to continue to show the property whilst you're proceeding with your mortgage arrangements, etc. And if they are, then go in with your eyes open. And if you love it that much and you're prepared to risk the money, that's absolutely fine. But be aware that it is a risk. That's the important thing. And yes, in a rising market, more and more, we will see properties that are under offer then bid on by another person coming into the market, desperate for a house to buy. There's not much around, sees one under offer and then makes a blind bid because they love it. And that blind bid can be above yours. It doesn't mean the seller has to go with them. That's the seller's choice. It does mean the agent has a legal responsibility to disclose that offer to the seller. And if that offer is slightly higher, chances are they'll stick with you anyway out of moral obligation. If the offer is substantially higher, they may jump ship. I would hope that if that happens, what they'll do for you, the buyer, is come back to you as an agent and say, look, cards on the table, there is a much higher offer. Can you match it? And if you can't match it or you can't come some way towards bridging the gap, then it's quite likely that you could lose the property. And it's heartbreaking, I know, but it's just the way the system works here in the UK. That's gazumping. Now, on to gazundering. Gazundering is a little like the opposite. Well, it's actually is the opposite of gazumping. And this is where a buyer proceeds all the way to exchange of contracts, then often at the very last minute says to the seller, I'm ready, but I want a substantial price reduction or I'm not exchanging the contracts. This is called gazundering. It's an awful practice. It's shocking. And the problem for the seller at that point is it's highly likely that they've prepared a purchase and that purchase relies on the sale of the property. And therefore, they're now in a tricky situation. Now, if there's a genuine reason why you want to reduce your offer, the question, the, beg, the question that I would beg is, why did you leave it until the last minute? Because you should have made that suggestion way, way before the point of exchange of contracts. If you're trying to blackmail the seller, then nobody likes being blackmailed and nobody likes that kind of aggressive tactic. And it's highly likely that the seller will pull out. And we would be behind any seller that pulled out, having been blackmailed by any buyer, always 100 percent. And But it can be frustrating. It can be the case that sometimes we've had that and the sellers have decided to go with it because they don't want to lose their cherished purchase because they've already mentally moved into the home that they're looking at. So this can be a real frustration. It's a horrible thing. And as a seller, how can you protect yourself from gazumping, gazundering rather? Well, the way to protect yourself is to choose the right buyer in the first place. How do you do that? Well, this is where your agent comes in. Your agent should be informing you not just of the amount of offer from the buyer, but the kind of people the buyers are, because most decent buyers won't look to do this horrible practice of trying to chip the price away at the last moment. And if the buyer is that kind of person, it will normally come out in other ways. There'll be something about them. They might be arrogant. They might be a little bit uh, standoffish. And it's the agent's job to try and work out which is the best buyer, because chances are we'll have several buyers. And then it's a case of we need to decide together with our seller client who is the best buyer. And most of the time we choose those buyers, not just on the price they're offering. It's not just about money, but on the character 
and type of buyer. So if we find someone's particularly uh, bullish or we think somebody, for instance, has started at a really, really low figure, little handy hint for you guys, if you like a property a lot, don't go in too low because what will happen is even if you then increase your offer to a similar or higher offer than others, the sellers and the agents might think you're going to chip them at the last minute because you've come in so low in the first place. Remember, you want the best deal for you and that's right and proper, but the seller also wants the best deal for them. Ask yourself one question. What's it worth to you? And yes, you know, by all means, try an offer, but don't go in too low and end up losing the property because you've gone in that low. Dialogue with the agent is always valuable in this case. Try and sound them out. Try and find out whether your offer would be reasonable before you put it forward. And if the agent says no, you may want to listen to that. You may feel it's flannel, but it may be good advice. So be really careful when making an offer that it's not too low and be really careful also to be nice to your estate agent. You might think, yeah, you would say that, but it's true. You know, you've got to remember that when a seller sells their property, they've chosen the agent based often on the way that they've interacted with that estate agent. And they often trust them implicitly when it comes to deciding which buyer to go with. And part of that choice will be on how were the viewers? What were they like? Were they family? Were they nice? Were they polite? How many of them were there? What are their plans? Is this an investment? Is it purely financial? And sometimes, and quite often, actually, people will go for the families or they'll go for the people that were the most polite, the nicest uh, people to deal with. And of course, it, a lot more to it than that, because it comes into how much deposit do they have? How efficient might they be? And I've said many times, you know, if you want to make sure you secure the property, make sure you have all the information to hand. Get ready immediately, immediately as you make an offer with your identification. I'm talking passport, your driving license, copy of your bank statement showing where the deposit is, statement showing where the money came from, why you have it, if it's coming from a third party, who that third party is, what their relationship with you is, and where they got the money from, because these are all responsibilities that the agent has. And if they can see that you've thought about that and you're ahead of them and you've supplied your solicitor's details, it may well be the thing that gives that agent and that seller confidence to go with you above someone else. It's not always about just the pounds, shillings and pence. Sometimes it's a gut feeling of, who is my best buyer? Which buyer can I rely on most of all here? It's never easy to decide. And sometimes it's very marginal between one buyer and another. And it can come down and often does come down to your personality as a buyer when we're selecting between buyers. We want to work with nice people. It's human nature. So do sellers. So if we've got two sets of people that are offering very similar amounts, of course, it's our job to bid them up. And I know that's tough on you as a buyer, but it's our job to bid you up. And then after that, we've got to decide. If you're very still at a very similar level, it won't always be the case that we'll advise going with the highest offer. It might be that we'll advise going with the person that we feel will be most suited and most motivated to move to that particular home rather than someone that's perhaps purely financially motivated and more likely to gazunder. So I hope that makes sense to you what gazumping and gazundering is, because I know there's a lot of it going on. I'm speaking to more and more people, particularly with gazumping, that have made an offer on a property, started to proceed on it, and then found that somebody's come along that's viewed it previously or viewed it subsequently and have then made an offer which is substantially higher and they've lost out to those people. My heart goes out to you if that's you because I know how hard that is. We've all been there over the years and it's tough. But remember, the agent has a job to do and they have to put those offers forward. They don't have a choice in that. And put yourself in the seller's position. If it's a £1,000 or so, no, they'll probably stick with you. But if it's £20,000, £30,000, what would you do in their shoes? So you have to 
put yourself in the shoes of the seller. And the art of any good negotiation is to be able to put yourself in the shoes of the person at the other side of the transaction. And that's a skill that you need to learn, almost helicopter view yourself versus the seller, the agent in the middle. And imagine now you're the seller. What would you want to hear? How would it be best presented to you? And that's how you should present yourself to have the best chance of your offer being secured. I hope that's helpful to you this week. Hope you have a great week. Uh, Obviously, we've got Easter coming up. People think it's going to be a really busy time for property. In fact, in our experience, it's a little bit quieter when the children are off school, especially when you're selling family homes. People tend to enjoy the children, go on holiday, visit family, and it tends to get really busy actually when the children go back to school just after the Easter holidays. So it could be a good time for you to start thinking about getting valuations, tidying up the garden, perhaps decorating that hallway and getting ready because April is a fantastic time to sell your home. Good luck to you if that's on your mind. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover here at the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast, do drop me an email, ken at jamesalexander.com or give us a call 0208 679 8601. Thanks for listening. Speak to you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production.